This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. This is the Fast Break Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. Alongside me, as always, is Ricky Woodward. What's up, what's up, guys? And Dave Oster. Hey, everybody. And it's a Christmas podcast. Christmas, Christmas cast, right? Christmas cast? Christmas I guess cast. we're there. We're, we're nearly there. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy holidays to to all. We don't want to be, uh, you know, not, not, yeah. we don't want to be excluding anybody. Happy Hanukkah. Merry Christmas. Happy Kwanzaa. 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 Don't forget Kwanzaa. Happy Kwanzaa. Uh, happy Boxing Day as well. Happy Festivus. Festivus. The holiday for the, for the rest of us. And oh, we should have aired our grievances for this podcast. But anyways, <laughs> we will be talking about. Don't forget the Human Fund. Yeah, we'll, yep. be, we'll be talking about uh, Demarcus Cousins in this podcast. Really, does he get a bad rap? Does Boogie get a bad rap? And then we're also going to be discussing a little bit about some uh, trade rumors that have been flying around. Uh, the the rumor of Brandon Knight possibly going to the Sacramento Kings. Then we're going to be jumping into the Los Angeles Lakers. The discussion of should they trade for a star? Should they keep the young group intact and then also we're going to wrap this up with some draft talk 2017 nba draft coming up we're, we're near the the conference play for college basketball mm-hmm. so so we got rid of the the getting big matchup excited and, and we're going to be we're getting closer and closer to the draft we'll be talking about our t- top favorite pro- prospects probably talk about the top five and then go in a little bit deeper but guys let's jump in and ricky you brought this topic up and, and i'm going to go to you first here uh DeMarcus Cousins obviously just put up 56 points, was a ridiculous performance. But then, you know, there was obviously stuff after uh, he got teed up uh, and then obviously the the interview as well after. So do you think DeMarcus Cousins unnecessarily gets a bad rap in the NBA? Well, it's one of those things where I feel like it's I think of the situation he's in where he gets drafted by a team, which honestly, I'm going to be blunt with it, is shit. And they have terrible management He's a guy that we have came, never talked poorly well, about the Kings. We, before. He's a guy that shocking. comes from in college where Kentucky, all they did was win. And you can tell that to me, it's like, does he get a bad rap? Maybe I can kind of see it. Some of the things that he does, it's like, okay, maybe you shouldn't do that. But maybe if you look at it, DeMarcus is a guy he's used to winning in his NBA career, he hasn't really won much of anything. Yeah. And at this point, he's just fed up with it. He just wants to go back to winning because, it, to me, it looks like he's just a competitive guy at this point. He's extremely passionate, if one thing. Mm-hmm. And one thing, too, the, the technical fouls did get rescinded, and he did, was a lot back two in the of game. Two of them, actually, yeah, two uh, of them. overall, after the NBA started to look at it. Yeah, so, I mean, one thing, I mean, he does have not only kind of a rap sheet of known for getting suspended, uh, and, and not suspended, but more getting te- teed right, up right. And, and getting technicals because of how co- competitive he is and, and how he, he's not really afraid to, to speak his mind. But one thing as well is we bring up Coach K, and also, I mean, Sacramento's just been a revolving door of head coaches, and he really mm-hmm. hasn't been having a stable organization there in Sacramento. Yeah. Dave, what are your thoughts? Is, is you know, Does he get a bad rap in the NBA? Uh, I don't think he gets a... I think maybe we're a little too harsh on him. I, I think it's pretty accurate, though. It's a guy who... You know, he's very outspoken. He doesn't really hold back on his opinion when talking to reporters, when talking to the media. So if there's a problem, he'll let you know about it. If he disagrees with something that's going on, he will definitely let you know about it. And I think that's one of the things that kind of hurt him a lot with uh, the head coaching changes over the years in Sacramento is that he didn't really have a great connection with any coach uh, after his first year, I want to say. Um, early on, he was okay, but then it was just like it was downhill. It was all in the downcline for him with uh, the coaching staff. And I, I want to see him land in a situation that, that's a good environment for him because Sacramento is not. And I'm a little afraid because of their mediocre success right now that mm-hmm. they're going to hold on to him for, for as long as they possibly can. But like th- this is a guy who clearly has mental issues when it comes to his, his immediate frustration on the floor. And he kind of anger like that impulse. Is that about me- mental issues? Well, yeah, yeah, no, anger, fine, fine. Yeah. It, it's a, it's an impulse thing though. Like it's something where like if you take like five seconds and take a deep breath, you wouldn't have done that. Like they, they got an additional video from the sidelines of him actually spitting that mouthpiece at them. Like it wasn't an accident. He, he was just blatantly like, nope, total accident. Don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And one thing too, I mean, and kind of looking for a comparison to you know, at least not like play type wise and actual performance wise, but you can kind of compare him to Rasheed Wallace because Rasheed Wallace was in that that era. Of 
of he didn't care what what he was going to say. He was always going to be out there. He's always going to be competitive. He's always going to speak his mind. I mean, I remember the the tirade he's had after uh, the Boston series. I think <laughs> it was Game Five. Uh, but you know, he he lashed out against the officials. He wasn't afraid to speak his mind. But I think one reason why people did look over that, I think it was more of a, a com- comical thing with, with Sheed, was the fact that he was on a winning team. Yeah, Detroit was always yeah. winning, <laughs> and the fact that you know you have a great superstar in Demarcus Cousins, a a guy who really doesn't get the recognition he probably should. If he was in a bigger market, he probably and and you know Sacramento is still a big market, but if he was, I think it's also the fact that the NBA has changed and is now a guard league. So mm-hmm. being the best big man in the league, as good as you are, obviously you can't carry a bad team to the playoffs as the greatest big man in the game. And I think the one thing, the reason why people focus so much on his actions and, and really not his play, and, and well, maybe sometimes his actions outshine his play, is because, you know, you need to bring in people. And we're in the age of bringing in people with headlines. And DeMarcus Cousins' outrage is more you know popular than DeMarcus Cousins puts up 56. I mean, both impressive and, and both obviously are going to drive in stuff. But I think the one thing is that DeMarcus, if he was playing for a winner, I think it would be less shined and i think he gets a bad rap in some ways but i think also he needs to work on his personality and not just that it's when you are and this goes for anything in life when you are in somebody's mind painted with a certain image and for demarcus cousins i'm gonna say it's kind of like a bad boy type of image whenever he does something that is wrong boom like you said front of the headlines. I want to actually use what you said, the mouthpiece incident. Let's just compare that to a mouthpiece incident that happened last year in the finals, but with Steph Curry, and how are they different? Well, okay, Steph Curry threw his mouthpiece at a Cavs fan. Did everyone get their shit, their panties all in a jumble? He no. He did get teed up, though. He did get teed up, but we didn't have the same reaction as maybe we did with Boogie because everyone likes Steph Curry. Well, and also— Steph Curry's but, one of the NBA— Steph Curry's a gamer. But yeah, Steph, he's, Steph Curry. he's looked at as the golden boy in the NBA, where DeMarcus Cousins is not. But also, Steph Curry, I mean, he doesn't also have the history. I mean, no, DeMarcus I know, Cousins true, doesn't have the history saying, of getting when followed you get, but, no, I understand. When you get yeah. that image placed upon you, it doesn't matter what— comes after it's up oh, you did it you were wrong whereas Steph Curry was oh well you know he didn't he didn't mean it well yeah he I didn't mean, mean it Steph has seen clean cut I mean he's mm-hmm. you know the there's a boy. big big focus on his family big focus on on his daughter where with with DeMarcus Cousins and he's I'm not the guy. trying to say Steph is a bad guy I'm just using both situations no I think you should probably say that we're not we don't think DeMarcus is a bad guy I think he just he does get a bad rep yeah because he's on on a, a team that isn't winning and then people think well if he's you know performing better and he's not really focusing on outside stuff maybe mm-hmm. this team would be a better team but really I mean he's not getting a lot of help and we've talked and about this before I'm with you on that I, I feel like even though he can like vent his frustrations and he's either seen as like a goof or as a guy who like is way 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 too taking like insults on the court seriously mm-hmm. like he's still giving you everything he's got when he's out there he's not half-assing it any more than any other guy on the court he just tells you about it more than anybody else will like I love the fact that he goes in after a game, after dropping 55 or whatever, and starts ripping the other centers. It's like, what, you thought they could seriously defend me? Like, not, mm-hmm. not a fucking chance. I love that. I want that to be more part of the NBA game today. I think it's gotten too, like, everybody's buddy-buddy with each other, and there's just, mm-hmm. he brings a certain level of, like, uh, I don't want to say hatred, but but a, but a definitely, like, clashing well, of personalities it kinda, to it. It kind of goes back to what we used to see, especially when we were kids, where we would see guys go on and be like, what, this guy? He can't guard me. Exactly. Like, you think AI would go up there and say, yeah, you know what, Kobe? He's a respectable gentleman. No, he'd be like, Boy, what, that guy? That guy out there, he can't guard me. Came in time but, with sneakers. Talking about practice. But even even one thing, too, is you could see that in-game DeMarcus is different because even with the, the New York Knicks, in Sacramento game where it was a really tight game and mm-hmm. DeMarcus Cousins had a big steal against Joe Kim Noah, you could see that there was a little tension there between them and the game. But right after you know it, it stops, Joe Kim and, and Boogie are hugging and just just laughing. So that, that's one thing where Boogie might let his emotions get ahead of him in a, in a game. But I think if you're looking at this, if you have a coach that can, one, reel him in, mm-hmm. and then two, he's on a winning team, I think that a lot of these problems that, that, that people bring up will go away just because there won't be so much as a focus on that. And the only way it will become a focus is if it does cost that winning team games. Well, and unless it's something that literally crosses a line, there's 
to me, I feel like guys in the NBA know, you know what, we're all competitors. That's why we're a part of the NBA. That's why we do what we do. So it's it's exactly what you said. They're in the game, they're competing, and then once it's over, it's boom. You know what? It's turned off. Hey, good game, this and that. I mean, we look back to, I just think when you were saying that, like, of in the game it could get chippy, but then after they turn it off, I mean, think about Reggie Miller when you would go back and watch the 30 for 30 on that. He, yep. he was a guy that's like, you know what? That night before, he'd look up stuff to try to do a little trash talking while he was defending you to throw you off their game. Yeah, and I mean, I just want to put this out there that, look, Cousins is having one of the his best year of his career right now. Mm-hmm. He's dropping 29 points a game, over 10 rebounds, and I think most impressively, shooting 37% from behind the three-point line, uh, 45 overall. Like He is a dynamic player in the NBA, and I think player, I think that his outspokenness definitely gets the best of him when it comes to the image, and mm-hmm. I think he should be in the running for you know more of these awards well, and more more positive praise around him. Definitely be making an all team uh, well, an all team because I don't like, think he he did he get snubbed last year. Snubbed. Or, he, I don't know, he should have been first team uh, yeah. because DeAndre made first team. Yep. And like the last thing I'll say is like you even look at Coach K when he was on um, Coach Cal's podcast, he even said for him to come back and want it, talking about the Olympics, um, it said a lot about how much he wanted to do it. He came through big time for us. He's tough as hell. He's so damn talented. I don't think he has a position. You can't call him a five or a four. Just call him a great player. And end quote. Just that kind of praise from a coach that's highly like Coach Cal and then Coach K, two of the best coaches in college basketball right now. One coached him and the other one gives him this kind of praise. Yeah, and obviously DeMarcus Cousins is a great player and that's going to transition into the talk of Brandon Knight possibly becoming a, a king. And this is going to be a short discussion. We're not going to go too in-depth into this one. But like Dave said, DeMarcus Cousins, 29 points, 10 rebounds, one and a half blocks per game. I even think he's got he's three assists a game, shooting 35, 30, 37.5% from, mm-hmm. from three. Uh, you know, he, He's an electric, dynamic player, a great player like Ricky brought up. And there's rumors since you know uh, Eric Bledsoe isn't starting. Mm-hmm. You, you have uh, Eric Gordon in front of him. And I'm sorry, not Eric Gordon. Uh, you have I'm gonna, Eric Bledsoe in front of him. Uh, you know, he wants to be a starter. He wants to be in that role. And there's talks between them, or at least, you know, there's rumors about this. And what uh, Ryan McDonough of the, the GM of the Sun said, said, we're not looking to move Brandon. We haven't been close to trading Brandon. I think he'd love to be starting. We understand that. He's accepted the new role very well. And I think you guys will see him go on a run here. But still, the Suns are struggling, and if you could bring in young players, you could bring in someone to help the Suns long term, and the Kings, who are close to that eighth spot, and you bring in a guy like Brandon Knight, who not only is locked up till 2020, and you know that that plays in because Darren Collinson and, and Ty Lawson are, are going to be free agents after this year, but he also does have a connection to Boogie in the fact that they were they, they have played for Coach Cal and they have played for Kentucky. They missed each other by mm-hmm. a year, but do you think it would be one smart for the Suns to trade? Yes. Uh, Brandon Knight. Yes, it would be. And the reason why I think the Kings are a good partner is, like you said, the Kings have pieces right now that they are not using in huge minutes. That could help the Suns. A guy that we all liked in college that, I mean, he's getting limited playing time with the Kings right now is Malachi Richardson. Also, we got Scal, who's limited playing time with the Kings. You've got those two. You've got Rudy Gay that you could try to get. From the Kings, the Kings have pieces. I don't know about Rudy Gay. Well, I'm just saying there's you can work out something. Like they have things that you can go after. And for the Kings, I know they have Collison. I know they have Ty Lawson. But you're telling me you would want either of those guys over Brandon Knight as your starting point guard? I'll take Brandon Knight. I'm on the opposite side of this one. I think that Brandon Knight is... Down, I don't want to say the downcline. I hate, I hate that that has become so normal. Downcline. He's on the downcline in his career. He he is not performing well. He has obviously not been doing good since he's been coming off the bench. His numbers are statistically the worst uh, in the last couple of years. And the thing that I see the most out of this is he he doesn't vibe well with that bench lineup. Like when you put a guy as a six man, you know, there's a certain uh, kind of role that they need to play for the team, and he st- he still sees himself as a star, mm-hmm. which he's not. He's clearly not, and he can't be that go-to guy anymore. Now, I don't think Brandon Knight's ever been considered a star. I don't think he's ever considered himself a star, but at least 
Brandon Knight has been a starter before, and I think he, he wants to be at that starter level, which, I mean, really everyone in the NBA does. They want to see yeah. themselves as a starter, and they want to see themselves as a difference maker. So if Brandon Knight's able to go to the the, the Kings here, and with Collinson and uh, Ty Lawson's contracts coming up at the end of the season, not only is Brandon Knight younger than both of those, he might see a resurgence in his career, and he is locked down for longer than these guys, so they won't have to worry about Cousins, or, I'm sorry, they won't have to worry about Bledsoe, or not, not Bledsoe, Knight moving. I keep mix, mixing up my Kentucky guards, so if I say Bledsoe at all, I, I probably mean Knight, but really, I, I just think that you might see a resurgence if you're see, you're seeing Bledsoe well, play also, with a high-level player like DeMarcus Cousins. Yeah, I mean, it definitely opens up the opportunity to stuff the stat line, as we saw Rondo last year turn into uh, the assist leader because of Boogie, mostly, and he was also able to fill out a lot of other things, because that's one thing you can do in Sacramento is have a great personal game. Unfortunately, as a team, they don't seem to gel together ever. Mm-hmm. They may have a couple of good pieces. Like I think Carlson, if he returns to a three-point shooting like he was a little bit, we saw a little bit of uh, him excelling there. If he can really bring that back, this is a team that could be dynamic because Rudy Gay is well, always going to be able to score and Boogie will always be able to score. And that's the one thing with why I feel like a trade for Brandon Knight could benefit the Kings because, like, when I said, oh, you'll take him over Carlson over Lawson, yeah, that's at the point guard position. Yep. There's nothing against me moving Collison if he can up that three point like he had it. I'd take him at the shooting guard position over Ben McLemore. Well, Aaron Aflalos, Aaron Aflalos, there, well, that, and, I mean, and he's been struggling for the Kings, but still, Aaron Aflalos is a better, but you could have Collison and Knight as your starting two in the backcourt. But Collison's which so could small, I don't think that would work. You know, wise, I think Collison off the bench is a great idea, but then you're really limiting, uh, you're limiting Ty Lawson's minutes. So I, I think, I think it, it would be difficult having all three of those players there, but maybe, you know, with Ty Lawson's kind of resurgence and his ability to get over his, his demons, then maybe you'll, you'll be able to. Uh, move him, but also that makes Darren Collinson, I think, more valuable because Collinson has is, is been in the league longer. Obviously, he had that stuff early in the season, mm-hmm. um, but but you know he's still a guy who's been around for a while. He doesn't have the kind of you know DUIs that Ted Lawson has. He <laughs> yeah, he's got a cleaner he, record. He you can just say that. Even though he, he does have the, the, I believe he was assault, right? Uh, early, so. early in the season. But I mean, with, with one thing is I think that he he's just more valuable so I think that you might be able to move a guy like Collison if you bring in uh if you bring in uh I'm gonna just say Bledsoe Brandon Knight, Brandon Knight. Uh, so, so so what's the goal here I mean is this is this a Kings team going all in if if you go for Brandon Knight are you thinking that you're well, gonna, you're, you're gonna retain in. well that you means... might be able to get to a uh, an eight spot though because which is better than they've done in the past and one thing I mean, two Collinson's it just means that they're hoping to hang on to boogie which is just throwing a complete verb to what everybody's been saying is Boogie's on the block. Boogie's got to be moved. Every every GM in the league says Boogie needs to be moved every year. Mm-hmm. So, I'm saying it, and, and and they're not alone. That's a, it's just it's confusing to see them kind of mix up the direction then by bringing in Brandon Knight. But you're right, Brandon Knight's young. I think he's like 25 still. Yeah, and he's one, just played for a while. And and one thing too, I mean, you just have to worry about his injuries. And obviously, yeah. he's had multiple. Uh, hey, of he those. reminds me kind of like Drew Holiday. Yeah, where where it's like he's an excellent player in short spurts, but. I think Drew Holiday is much better than Brandon Knight. Yeah, so I, I think just overall, I think, plus you'll be able to hold him longer. So I think that's one thing. You have youth, and if you could stay on the court, you'll have him for longer. So I, I think it wouldn't be an awful idea, and I, I think the Suns should move Brandon Knight at some point. Just yeah, because, I agree. Because, uh, you, you, or you'll have to move Bledsoe, who does have more value, but I think he, he is a piece that you can build around. Because, you know, looking at his stats, I mean, I, I th- believe, Dave, you said he's a mini LeBron James. Yep. Uh, I love stat him. wise. He, um, he he fits he fills out every stat you need and he's he plays bigger than he is, which is the best thing as a point guard, what you want. You want a guy who can mm-hmm. play up and be able to body up against small forwards and even go down in the paint, and that's exactly what he gives you. And one thing too with the Suns, and this is my my last point on the Suns, and you guys can jump in right after mm-hmm. uh here. And, and with the Suns and, and this trade, I think it would benefit both teams because the Kings, you know, if if uh, Brandon Knight can find that 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 niche he had back in in Detroit and Milwaukee where he was shooting like forty percent from three and putting up nineteen a game. That will help the Kings get to a playoff spot. And then the Suns, this team is pretty well set up to be honest with you because you have Bledsoe who's 
kind of your veteran on that team, which is kind of sad to say. You have Tyson Chandler as well, but I mean, at least starting, uh, you you have you have Bledsoe. I think is is a, obviously a, a good, great piece. You have Devin Booker, who last year showed phenomenal presence, and if he's doesn't have this weight on his shoulder uh, of you know having to be the guy to perform, he's a fantastic piece. You see, obviously the the potential in Marquise Chris and, and Dragon Bender. I don't know if they're there yet, and I well obviously they're they not need there a whole yet. lot more time. Yeah, yeah and, and Alex Len's a good piece there as well, and TJ Warren for a sport a spurt there. He was absolutely fantastic. I'm high on TJ Warren. So mm-hmm. I think, one, this team needs veteran help. And I think that maybe uh, maybe Earl Watson isn't the, the right choice there at head coach. But still, it's a season. He doesn't have the, the, the right roster around him. But still, I think that you need more help veteran-wise. And I think that possibly Alex Len might be more suited for a bench spot. But he's still good. So I think just this team not only needs time, but they need veterans to, to, to help them grow. And it's kind of like that KG mm-hmm. uh, spot there. Because Leandro Barbosa, while he, he is a veteran, uh, I, I just don't see he's, him as a vocal leader. So I think you need someone who can be a vocal leader for this team in a positive way, not like a DeMarcus Cousins where he might be you <laughs> yeah. know, hurting the wrong team. kind of vocal. Yeah. I see this team as they've got two guys. Like, they've got their backcourt, and it's the Kentucky backcourt mainly. I'm going to take Knight out of it because he would be hypothetically traded. But, like, Bledsoe, Booker, and then the rest of the team is like – yeah, Chris is the guy you're going to have at the four in the future. So, like, this year it's kind of like he's a project. Just develop him into the NBA player you want. But, like, I see the rest of this team, and it's like, where are you going to go with it? To me, Tyson Chandler is a guy where, yeah, you've got him under contract, but I don't see him as a long-term answer at the five. Alex Len, to me, has been kind of... He hasn't lived up to when you draft a guy fifth overall. I mean, that could go back to you can say, well, Ricky, the 2013 draft class was not a strong draft class to begin with. But when you draft a guy who's a sophomore, so literally you can take it as if he came out his freshman year, basically four years like some of the guys who came out his freshman year the year before, this is a guy that has not shown the progression that I would have liked to seen from him three years in the NBA to where it's like, great, you've got Bledsoe, you've got Booker. What else do you got? One thing, though, I, I never saw Alex Lund as a scoring threat. He's pretty decent defensively. He's a good rebounder. And he's got a high motor. And I think I think that you can have him three come years, off the bench. I'm saying three years in the league as the number fifth overall pick in 2013. But, you should be a starter. But, but like you said, he well, one, should be a a start. This guy's our five. That's what he should be right now, and he's not. But again, that to great, me is great guy like Tyson Chandler is soaking up contract money. Well, yeah, well, three no, years, thirteen 36, million. Yeah, yeah, three years, thirty-six million. million. Year. So, the, but the one thing with Alex Lund, I think he's a decent piece at least off the bench for you. And, and again, like you said, twenty thirteen was a very weak draft, and yeah. the only superstar that has really come out of that one. And I, I think you have Oladipo at two, uh, and and someone's going to correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Oladipo at two, and then fifteen mm-hmm. was Giannis. Yeah, Antetokubo. no, but you know who and was, I said that right? You know who was sixth? Right behind Alex Len that the Suns could have? Nerlens. Oh, okay. Could well, have had Nerlens. Nerlens there, too. But this is a Suns team who loves giving up, you know, value. Mm-hmm. Like the, So the deal they actually brought Brian Knight there, you know, they ended up giving up that Lakers first pick, which is this year finally going to land, unless the Lakers tank like hell, this is going to land a top three pick, or a uh, fourth Four outside pick to mm-hmm. the uh, 76ers. So, look, they gave up a decent uh, decent price for Brandon Knight. I think that he is, you know, I think they can just call it a wash. Like, look, we've been drafting backcourt. We've been getting guard, 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 guard. We need to move him and get some pieces down low. And, you know, they're, they're, they're working on it. Yeah, one one thing, though, with, with going off Ricky's point, I think the backcourt is set, and I think he brought up a good point. Brand, uh, Eric Bledsoe, I got, got the right, guy hey. right. That's mm-hmm. like, I'm mixing up my Kentucky guards. Eric Bledsoe and Devin Booker, those are two pieces that you can build off of. And then I think TJ Warren at that three, he might end up in, into a bench player, but I think what I saw from him in those those first games and the the, the games that he was starting before he, he went down with an injury, he was electric there, and he was able to show that scoring he had in NC State. And then at the four, you have Dragon Bender, who obviously he's gonna. It's gonna take time for him to develop. And he, he's not like the Chris Stops, who Chris Stops just came in was immediately right. successful. Dragon's gonna need some time. I mean, I think we knew that when he when, we, when he first came out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then five at the five, I think you can have Chris because yes, he's not as big as, as most fives. He might get bullied down there, but he is so athletic and he, he can just jump. 
like f- out of the goddamn roof. I yep. mean, it's impressive what he can do. And then you have Len on your bench. You you have, uh, and then that's when you bring in your, your veterans. And I think Brandon Knight is a movable piece, and I wouldn't be surprised if they move into the Kings, and it might be a smart idea. But anyways, let's move on to a different team in the West, and we're going to go to the Los Angeles Lakers. And there was a, a recent article put out by Zach Lowe uh, on ESPN, and it says, Lakers dilemma, search for a superstar or keep it together. And We've had this discussion before. I think we had this before the season started. And, and Ricky, you said mm-hmm. that this team should tank for a top three pick to bring in because they need that one more piece. And Dave and I were in, you know, disagreed with you and said that they do need more time. They just need time to develop. I think this team can be set. Obviously, a third pick won't help. Or a top three pick won't mm-hmm. hurt. But you know, I, I you don't need it. It changes. It changes everything though when you set yourself back another year and with the off season contracts that they you know sign themselves up to i mean it changes the way this whole franchise is going yeah and and the one thing we want to go to is is, you know we don't know if they'll get a top three pick but this is really saying should they trade for a star and obviously demarcus cousins has been brought up to pretty much every single team in the nba here uh but really just just the idea should this team trade for a star and possibly give up on a guy like jordan clarkson uh obviously lou williams can be expendable just because of how well he's playing and you might get a lot of value from him but should the los angeles lakers blow up the the current young core they have and try to get a star. I'm going to say no. And the reason why I'm going to say no is because of where they sit in the West right now. And I look at their contracts. Like you said, this is a young core team. The only free agents they're going to lose after the season are Jose Calderon. Big loss. Big loss. Good loss, though. Then you have Meta World Peace and Thomas Robinson. Yep. Three guys to where it's like... them some value, though. Yeah, but it's one of those things where if you lost those three and never saw them again, you'd go, meh, okay, whatever. Yep. No arguments. What I think with this team is where they sit in the West. Right now, I mean, they just lost to the Magic the night they're we're recording this. They're 1-9 in the last 10. But when you look at it, they are 16 games back, three games back of that eight seed. So for me, I sit there and I think, what's the benefit of going for it? You make the playoffs, you lose in the first round to the Warriors. Great. You can say you made the playoffs. If play- they make it to the yeah, playoffs. Yeah, if they do. I mean, but right now, if you go for it. I'm yeah. saying if you go for it, you mm-hmm. trade for that veteran, and then you're like, great, we're the eighth seed. But there's no guarantee that that veteran that you brought in is depending on which veteran it is, how long they have on the contract. I'm just talking a hypothetical veteran. A, how long they have. Let's say they're a guy who's done at the end of the year. Are they going to walk from you? Or if it's a guy where they're going to stay, there's no guarantee that you're a playoff team next year. So what I'm thinking is keep the young core together and just see where it goes. If you're a playoff team, great. You made the playoffs with a young talent. You can build off that. If you don't and you're a top three pick, you got your draft pick. It's a win-win. And, and the one guys that they, uh, Zach Lowe does bring up in his article is obviously DeMarcus Cousins. He brings up Paul George, who we talked about before, mm-hmm. and then he brings up Russell Westbrook. But he did say Russell Westbrook is pretty much off the market now since he, since yeah. he did uh, have the extension. So really you're stuck with two guys here. And you, he's this is more superstar and not a veteran. You're going for a superstar guy that can make a difference. DeMarcus Cousins and then obviously the rumors that were brought up for, for Paul George. So... Really, this question should be, should they blow up D'Angelo Russell, Brandon Ingram, Julius Randle, and Larry Nance, I'll throw into there because I think he's a part of the core. I don't think he's going to be a starter, but I think he definitely could be a fantastic piece piece off the bench. Before, can I flip the question out to, let's say it's Paul George, what would they need to give, what would you guys say they need to give up for Paul George? Because that needs to be nailed down before you can answer. Should they do it? I, I'm not looking at their picks right now, but and I don't. You can't really give away. I I don't. I think with the restriction on it, you cannot give away the pick the as it one, is yep. unless mm-hmm. it's set. So that would probably you'd have to include that pick if it is a top three pick. Uh, but why would during you, the draft? So so that's the no. Thing, I'm saying like, like they can't make that trade until the no, draft. I think what it is they, if it's set they at top can. Three. It just becomes like let's say Dave's the Spurs, I'm the Lakers. If they trade it, it becomes. If that if we still finish top three, the Spurs would get it. If not, the 76ers would get it. That kind of a thing. Well, I'm saying I mean, if, if then, it's a top uh, three pick, though, that's going to have a lot of value. Yeah, and you, but, you'll be able but to you that. don't trade away that much young talent and still expect to finish, you know, the worst three teams in the league. And, Ricky, mm-hmm. well, you mentioned they're just a few games out of playoffs. They're just a few games away from being the worst team in basketball. And that's, no, and that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Keep the young core and let them kind of just see I'm where they for, fall. I'm for letting uh, Uncle P and uh, Sweet Lou go. But that's not going to bring you a start. 
No, but that can bring you more Young potential talent. down the line. And that's mm-hmm. what I'm aiming for because I think what we've seen out of this team so far is it's promising, but it's not enough. Look, when I see uh, Sweet Lou, like the best six-man in the league for the last, I don't know how many years, it's him and Crawford back and forth. Basically. He had one slip-up last year, but that was a shit still, team. Still, still, it, it's he has a lot of value right now. And Uncle, uh, I call him Uncle Drew, Jesus. Uncle Lou. Uncle, Uncle Pete. He ain't Kyrie. No, it's Just Uncle Pete. Just call him Swaggy. Just call him I don't want no, to. No, it's Uncle Pete. He is mature now. Oh, God. <laughs> JR went down with an injury. You telling me there's not a little uh, intrigue over there? Tell me there's not, uh, not a little bit? Go to your point. Uh, that's what I'm saying is I think that you move those two guys and you get yourself another first rounder. It's probably going to be a late one, but it doesn't matter because it's still another pick. I think between the two of them, you could definitely get value. You think and you get a, uh, a first round draft I think draft you get pick. a 25 through 30 for the best six, one of the best six mans in the for, league. For Lou, maybe, but for Swaggy P? I'm not saying. I'm just saying. I don't think you can get a, a first rounder, but I understand. No, and it's I, and still I, you need you need to go get value because you are so close to the bottom. I see you let the kids play and maybe put Dang in there because he's been underperforming like a mofo <laughs> right now. So that helps you lose. But no one's probably going to take that contract. But well, no, but, that's what I'm saying. You you let him play. Yeah, I I, well, <laughs> let him play. I, I agree with you. I, I agree that you do have value on this team, and, and I think you should bring in Young Talent. I don't think you should really blow this up because I think we had this discussion the first time we talked about boogie trade rumors earlier. And we, we brought up the Lakers was, would Luke Walton and, and DeMarcus Cousins be a good fit? And I just think that with the potential of this team, and you have D'Angelo Russell, Russell who will be a superstar in this league. I, I can fairly confident in, in, in saying that. Julius Randle is a remarkable talent. It's a borderline I, I, all-star. I, I love Julius Randle. And I, I think I've defended him before I on this podcast. I think you're higher on him than anybody else here. I think I, think I defended him on this podcast, and I, I'm glad I did because he's just been proving me right so far. And Brandon Ingram's been struggling. He sort of does, sort of doesn't. Like... Look, I, I like Randall, but he's he's like a he's just that half notch below All Star. Like he he's good, mm-hmm. but he he takes plays off. He definitely is clueless on defense, game in game out. Like well, mm-hmm. he just looks fine. And then sometimes pretty much Ellie in general is pretty clueless on defense. Not all They've the time. Like he has he has like that where I think he had like five blocks in five minutes or some crazy shit happened. No, to but him, I'm but saying like, just like in general, the Lakers suck at defense. I, sometimes, sometimes they're pretty bad. Brand no, no, because Brandon Ingram, in his weird lankiness, is able to just come out of nowhere and guard everyone on the court as a team in general. Larry Nance gives you energy, gives you rebounds, gives you that hustle. He'll play defense on anybody. As that that whole team in general, though, they're terrible at defense. But let's get off that. Screw you. <laughs> well, and the thing for me when I look at it is, you got two ways to go. You do what Dave says. You trade um, Uncle P. There you go, and Dave. Sweet Lou. And Sweet Lou. You get those maybe young players, maybe draft picks. Yep. I'm looking more towards draft picks because yep. you get to do what you want with it. If you bring in a guy like DeMarcus Cousins or Paul George, it goes back to the question that I asked that we never got an answer to, and I'll, I'll get one right now. Salty. What do you give up for? Let's. I'll let you guys pick. Pick who you mm-hmm. choose, George or Cousins, well, what I are you the, actually going to I give up for? The problem with going him. for a superstar like that is that the clock instantly is on you. Then, well, but like the, you have all the pressure. But the question, win. What the question is, to, what do you give up? You got to give have, up stuff. You're giving up. It doesn't, even, it doesn't it, matter it, what it, you give up because the clock is on you. Okay, but the you quest, don't have any pieces the, around the you after is, you get him to win. But the question is, what would you give up? Doesn't matter. You give up. You give up. It's not the fact that they're trading it up. I think just he's asking the question: What are you going to give up? And I think what you give up is one picks. I think you have to give up picks. You probably have to give up either Randall or Clarkson. And I think that, or probably, you probably have to get rid of either. I mean, it, I it's difficult both. to kind of say, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, Randall, Clarkson. And, and a then, one. But yeah, and then picks. So I, I but I, I'm bad with trades trying to. That is the exact reason, though, why I say don't do it. I think Ingram and Russell it's are kind of It's kind of a little bit of what both you guys were saying. First column A is what Sean was saying. As soon as he said, well, you got to give up picks, I'm off of that. Because this is a team that can use their future draft picks that Luke Walton can go after guys that fit his system that he wants to bring into an already young, growing team. And then if you do what Dave said and you trade the two veterans that you got in Williams and P, you can get more draft picks. But, David, it is also what you said where you bring in Paul George the clock is on you because you have Paul George. DeMarcus Cousins, maybe not because we saw what happened the last time the Lakers brought in a superstar big. Yay. It didn't really work for him. I think you got to go with what you said, trading the guys. Because think about this, and this is one guy I'm going to throw out there that I'm assuming we're going to talk about mm-hmm. in our last segment. 
Could you imagine if they went out there and got either a guy like Lonzo Ball in the top three or they brought in another pick and was able to get a Malik Monk and you could have D'Angelo Russell at the one, you could have Ball or Monk, more so Monk because he is an actual shooting guard. Ball is more of that point guard, but I would I could put him at the two as well. And then a second year of Brandon Ingram finally, hopefully, starting the beginning of second year, and that would be your one, two, and three. For and then you still have Randall, court. Nance, and I, Nance, at five. Nance I like more than Randall, but Randall could be well, a good backup. And N- then Nance, Randall's better than Nance. What the fuck are you look, smoking? I like, I I'm like not saying what he's Nance better. brings to the team. You just I'm, like his highlight plays better. I'm saying Nance like is a better fit team. for the team right now. I think Randall, you need to have, he's a higher usage player. Mm -hmm. So he is similar to a Draymond Green, where he needs the ball in his hands to be effective, whereas Nance can play without the ball in his hands. He can stretch out. He he, he is less of a commitment for the team to force the ball through and therefore is more valuable as a role player. I think Randall could still, like I said, he's borderline all-star. You know, that's his top end for me. And I respect that. I just think that because of all the guys you're naming, all these shooters on the outside who need the ball in their hands, having Randall on the floor kind of pulls that uh, momentum away from that. So it depends on what direction they really want to go. No, I, I, I agree with that. I'm not trying to say that I, I dislike Randall or dislike Nance. Yeah. But you're just, just a Randall supporter, but, too. But it, I'm saying if, if they're going one-on-one, Randall's going to fucking smoke them. And I'm just saying, like, Randall is the better player. He might be a you know Nance might be a better fit, but again, you also have to realize he's playing less minutes. He 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 is more flashy. And and another Nance thing is, is a role player. Too, he, he's he's a, the ideal role player. He, he's an ideal role player, and, and and he might he he the thing is is he's not going he's usually not going up against number ones. He's not going up against NBA power forwards. He's usually going up against their bench. Eh, I'm not, say, I'm not saying run, yeah. I'm not saying Nance is bad. Again, I I think he's a, a key piece to it. And I think if you're saying who are the four players that you should keep around. If you're the Los Angeles Lakers, it's Russell, it's Clarkson, it's Russell, it's it's Randall, it's Ingram, and it's Nance. I think that Clarkson has made himself kind of uh, kind of you know, expendable, especially if you go out and get a shooting guard. And and if you go out and get a shooting guard, I think we are all in agreement here that it should be through the draft. Mm-hmm. Let's make the it's transition. Let's make the transition to the NBA draft here, the 2017 NBA draft. It's coming in June. It always does. And we're going to be talking about, one, the players that we are most excited for and really focusing on on the top five. And the top five that we're really going to be looking at is the uh, top five from uh, Chad Ford's uh, big board that he just put out. So, number one, Markel Fultz from Washington. Number two, Lonzo Ball from UCLA. Number three, Josh Jackson from Kansas. Four, Malik Monk from Kentucky. And five, Dennis Smith from NC State. Those are the five guys that we're mostly going to focus in on. And I think I'm going to bring in uh, Harry Giles as well. And he, he kind of fell for uh, injury reasons. But the guy that I am most excited for, and I think that we can kind of start the conversation here, and it, it's more of been, A, the way that this team's been playing in general, that, that they're close to being the number one team in the nation. Mm-hmm. It's been UCLA because I, I I really didn't see this coming from UCLA. I mean I, I don't really know where they stood in the preseason, but I, I wasn't really expecting th- this kind of turnaround from where UCLA has been because you know since Russ, uh, Love and, and Drew Holiday have left, UCLA d- has taken a, a step back at least on the national spotlight. But they have come back with a vengeance, well, and one of those reasons is Lonzo Ball. Mm-hmm. Well, and not just that. I mean, last year was the year where they bring in a guy like Steve Alford. To, bring, to be their head coach coming over from New Mexico. And it was kind of like last year where his last two years in New Mexico were 28-7, and 29-6 with a third round and a second round appearance in the NCAA tournament. And I mean, and I mean, his first two years starts off great, sweet 16 appearances, second, fourth in the conference. But then it was last year, which was a huge, like, 15 and 17, 6 and 12 in the conference where you kind of forgot who the Bruins were and then this year it's they just come out of fire because it's one of those where it's like okay, Alfred's Alfred's been there. They did good there, but now as we start to see him there longer it was like, "Oh, is this going to be the trend now where they're going to have some bad seasons?" Well, guess what? Lonzo Ball is making his case to if he continues the play that I've seen up to this point he could be the first overall pick in the draft come June. I completely agree with you. I think Alonzo Ball has been a dynamic player for UCLA this year and team on back. Like you can't say anything else. shot I've seen, though. 
Uh, the weirdest look, over the body like shot that I've seen. But if it goes in, that's all I care about. Let's think. I, I wonder if you think he's going to go to like a shot doctor once the season ends and like correct that because you think are if you concerned go, about that in the NBA at all? If it goes in, I don't care. Well, that's one thing too that Chad Ford <laughs> and it not is just his prospect profile is yeah. one of his weaknesses on orthodox shooting form, and it's it's ridiculous. It's if it goes in, the, if it goes in, like the no, reason, yeah, I know, but like, like I'm going to go back to a guy that we talk about usually with Buddy Heald. The reason, why, award winner. the reason why he the fixed his shot, the reason, the reason why he fixed his shot was the ball wasn't going in. If the ball's going in, don't touch it. Well, yeah, and it's, don't it's, touch it. It's fair. I mean, Joakim Noah has one of the weirdest shots too. I mean, he's not a official <laughs> shooter, but I mean, did, did you watch he, the shoot around with him and uh, Paul George? No. no, two guys on the court, and they're just Paul George's like, you know what? Let's let's just do three. So Paul George on one end, swish, 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 swish. They get on to Joe on the other end, just just brick. Bounce off the rim, rim, whiff. And one thing, too, with, I mean, Sean Marion was a great three-point shooter, too. And you, you ever see his release? He's shot it from his waist. Oh so, God. I mean, obviously, it, it's 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 just a concern because if people do pick up on it defensively, they're going to realize, you know, he does shoot so weird. And, and it might be affecting. It's an area, yeah, you can attack. So, I mean, it's not the traditional shooting form. So, that's just one thing, too. But, I mean, again, it, it goes in. He's not my number one player so far, and it's still Fultz. And the reason why it is Fultz is because... Yes, you know Lonzo Ball is getting the the spotlight because his team's doing so well, and obviously Washington. I think they're sitting at seven and five right now. They have been struggling. They haven't been able to beat big opponents. They got blown the doors blown off by Gonzaga. But Fultz still is carrying that team to seven and five. If Fultz isn't on that team, they might not have a win. Well, Fultz has been utterly ridiculous, and you know not only is he silky smooth shooting, mm-hmm. silky shoes smooth just on the court in general. He just looks like he can handle the pressure. And, and I'm not saying Lonzo Ball can't, but you know, Lonzo Ball does have the the flashiness, but Fultz is just, I, I feel looking at him, he is such a good player overall, and I think that he can be a, a, a true difference maker. And this goes to a point with me about um, Washington's head coach when it's Lorenzo um, Romar, is to me, I see him as a, he's a guy, great recruiter, great recruiter, can find the guys like Markel Flutz, but that are Fultz, but it's one of those things where, I look at him and I go, you're a recruiter, not a great basketball coach when it comes to X's and O's. And this is a Washington team where you're going to see where it's like, oh, you know what? Flutz is great and he's going to be a top pick. But the Huskies aren't going to do anything this year. And, and one thing, I know people are going to jump down your throat the way you say Fultz because R- Ricky likes reading. I correct at, it. No, you, I corrected you said Fultz again. Yeah, like, I know. Just, I corrected just, it. Though. I'm just, I'm just putting it out there because you might, you might make a Fultz again. I just, <laughs> I corrected it. No, I know, but yeah. you, you might, you might do it again. I'm just, I say, caught myself. Just let him I'm just say. saying let him that if you, if he does make the mistake, he knows it's Fultz. Just he, Ricky, Ricky likes to read names differently. I mean, he, he can't say a lot of words right. But yes, Fultz, I, I just, I, it can't, you know, kind of hurt him for the team that he's on because yeah. that team wouldn't be 7-5 and five without him and I look at him as a very dynamic player not only a great shooter not only has great vision he's very active very athletic he's a guy that's not going to be afraid to do and, and go out and make plays and he's got and, all the size in the world too and, and, and yes yeah, 6-5 for a point guard so I mean and he, he's small too so that, that's one thing where he is he weighs the same amount as a guy like Malik Monk who's playing shooting guard Malik Monk's 6-3 so that's a guy that I worry about more with size because he's going to be a 6-3 shooting guard that's kind of worrisome the way he, he his size is, and I don't think he, I don't really see him as a point guard. I see him as a scorer. Yep. With Markel, with with Fultz, really is I see him as a dynamic player, and you know, kind of Russell Westbrook has kind of broken the mold for point guards, but where you don't need to be the small talent. guy. Yeah, yeah, I think that's, that's that's really what it is. Is he's a guy that you know I'm not saying his his player comparison is Russell Westbrook because Russ is just you know an ungodly freak, but. Just the size, his built. He might even be more of a Michael Carter Williams, but good. Yeah, I was gonna say. Uh, I mean, if we're, we're if we're throwing around names here, I would prefer to be called, you know, Ross rather than yeah. Michael Carter Williams. But uh, no, you're right, and that's the thing. He he is an athletic freak, and like in baseball, you call him a five tool player. Like he has everything he needs to be a successful NBA player. And when you watch the game log, like he he passes the eye test by far. When you watch him out on the court, you're like that guy's gonna be a stud in the NBA. Everything he does out there. He knows what he's doing. He sees everything on the court that's going on, and he runs that offense like he's a senior, which is just bizarre sometimes because you know the kid's like 18 still. Mm-hmm. It, it's just he, he's one of the best players in college basketball, but the question is always going to be like, well, do you want to go him or do you think in Josh Jackson or, you know, you go big? 
Well, looking at this, and, and well, there's not many of them this year. That's a concern. Yeah, and that, that is a concern. And really looking at it, I mean, it's a very guard-heavy draft, which we haven't seen in a in yeah. a while. You have Fultz, you have Ball, you have Malik Monk, you have uh, Dennis Smith, all those guys in the top five. And, and looking at it, the guys that really stick out for me, and, and Malik Monk's a guard too. I, I forget if I mentioned him, but looking at Josh Jackson, the reason why you know, right now my my top five is mm-hmm. Fultz. Ball and those are close one too because I mean Ball's been absolutely phenomenal. I can't say that he's not been ridiculous. So it goes Fultz Ball. Then I am putting a guy in in Harry Giles at three because I know obviously two torn ACLs and two two ACL problems. That's very worrisome. Yeah, But, but the need. For a big man and a need for a guy that can really change the game and kind of plays like mm-hmm. Chris Weber. Yeah, I'm gonna want to take him and if he can really prove to me that injuries aren't a problem, like kind of Jewel Embiid has done so far, and just at least injury wise, that's gonna take away my worrisome. Then I got Malik Monk and then I have Josh Jackson because he's very similar to a guy like Jalen Brown who cannot shoot to save his damn life from beyond the arc. This is a thought I just had just to go off of Dave saying like there's not a mo- a bunch of like big men in this draft. Two guys that I think of though. That we probably should have seen last year, but right before the deadline for whether you're going to be in or out, said, hey, I'm going to come back and actually forego the draft. We got guys like Rab and Thomas Bryant, who those were two guys center and then power forward slash center, where the question that I'm thinking are, are these two guys that, I mean, Ford's got them low in my standards on the draft boards. Yeah. We're like, you see Rabbit in 16 and then Bryant down, what, but, 26? Are these guys where they're going to say, fuck, I should have came out but, last but year? But for good reason. I mean, Thomas Bryant is still in that range, and, and Rob has dropped, I mean, both in his play and, and stock. Because both, he was, well, he was projected around saying top this 10. year, shit, I should have came out last year. Well, maybe, but I mean, Shouldn't have came back. I'm, I'm not really focused on those guys right now because I'm, I'm, I'm more they're, focused on— They're in a on, different level. Yeah. I, I, almost, I mean, it sounds mean, but it's like, look, Ivan Rob is a— Completely different level we than had, a Josh we Jackson and Harry Giles. We had him pretty high though last year. We had him at top ten, and, yeah. and, but the reason why he has fallen is because he hasn't made an improvement. You you look at him and he just looks like the same player. You, you come and, back to college and you're you're older. You've got all the muscle. You've got all the experience. You should be dominating all these freshmen coming mm-hmm. in, and you're not showing that. And Sean's exactly and, right. Well, you haven't impressed us by by living up and outperforming yourself last year. That's the thing. Last year is you know he hasn't improved on what he was, what his knocks were last year. It's like not even like he's just really the same player as he was last year. So yeah. if, if we saw an improvement and even a slight improvement, then maybe I would be more hesitant. But it's kind of like uh, you know Mellow Trimble, where you see a guy as a freshman who's oh my god, this guy's crazy, but then he doesn't declare, and then you see from sophomore, junior, senior year. He just he just falls completely flat, and I, mm-hmm. I feel like Rob's going that trajectory. And then with Thomas Bryant, he's just not a guy that's athletic. He's a guy that's very powerful. He's a guy with a, a big motor, but I see him as more like a Jawan Blair. He, he's a guy that's not going to you know really. He's not going to change the game for you. He's not going to change the game exactly. So, but the guys that are going to change the game: Fultz, Ball, Giles, Monk, Jackson, Dennis Smith, uh, uh, Jason, Fox. Jason Tatum, Darren Fox. Um, which guy outside of Fultz and Ball really has you? Excited. It's Monk. Monk. Monk Monk is a stud. And you know what? I'll give you the weirdest thing that I like about him. Dude shot one from nine against Louisville. Loved it. Because you know what? He never lost confidence in his shot. He wanted never, the last shot. He, he took he took the last shot that they had. It's, but he wanted it. He exactly, didn't just that's take it. He wanted that last shot. That's the thing. It, it's that instinct. And I, I see, I, I hate saying it, but he's he's starting to kind of get that feel for like a killer instinct. And, you know, the old Kobe quote where it's like, you know, a guy goes out there, he starts off the night 0 for 10, maybe he'll quit at just like 11. Shooting. He just keeps shooting. Be like, shit, yeah. if, I'm a, if not, I'm not, I'm not shooting 20, then mm-hmm. I'm not trying. Like, I, I think that's what I'm starting to see a little bit out of Mike Monk. He has that will to win. He he definitely is the most explosive player when it comes to, this is a guy who can light up. He shot, you know, a, a ridiculous amount. He went for 47 against uh, UNC. And then the next night, you know, like I said, you went one from nine, still got 16 points, but definitely disappointing performance against Louisville, which was one of the most scouted games earlier this year. So he is a guy who is going to be a game changer in the NBA. I see huge things for him because I, what I see is totally different from what we saw out of, honestly, this past year's draft class, which has been really underperforming in the NBA. 
See, but one thing, and, and the reason why I kind of shy away from Malik Monk and, and why he is lower, right? he's still a top five player mm-hmm. in my mind. I think he can, he could still be an, an effective scorer, but the, the reason why I have him lower is because of his size. Because, yes, he has this killer instinct in college, but he's more athletic than the players he's going up uh, up against. He has the quickness to get by these players, I was but gonna... when he's going up against in the NBA guys, these guys are going to have similar athletic well, ability, and he might not have the size to go up against them. And I was going to throw out, is 6'3 kind of uh, a little like short for him? It would is. you rather it, him be a little Taller. Well, uh, if I mean, ideal, taller, ideally, help, everyone would be like six seven. But yeah, come on, that's I, just I, not going to happen. Jimmy Butler, I, Ricky, I've been banking on a growth spurt since high school, and I still haven't hit it. I've been five seven since eighth grade. But yeah. the thing is, is with with a guy like Malik Monk, is six three. I don't see him as a point guard. I see him as no, a no. He's he's definitely doesn't he's, have the instincts to be a point. He's not he's not a guy who's going to be a flashy, you know, a guy who's going to light up assist numbers. He's not going to be a guy that's going to be you know flashy passes. You know, a guy like Lonzo Ball, Fultz, mm-hmm. they have that knack to be a point guard. Where but he can be which, a shooting guard. He did have, but some he doesn't have the night, size to be. You know, one night he doesn't really have the size to be a, a shooting guard. I mean, six three, one eighty five. I don't see that as a shooting guard at all. I I, I really look at you know him and I see you know. I see a point guard's body, but he's he's not a two, at least in the NBA. I just don't see that he can be a guy that will succeed scoring-wise at the level he currently is and I, be able to translate into the NBA as successfully. I think he could still be an effective NBA player, but I don't think he can be a guy who's going to be a star. And I don't want to I don't want to come off like over the top on this, but when when we look at players and their builds and like height, weight, wingspan, all of that crap. Sometimes with some talent, you can just throw it out the window because it doesn't matter. You got guy who's five eight in little Isaiah who is just murdering everybody in the NBA right now. He's one of the quickest players in the game, and AI did the same thing. Mm-hmm. And there's so many players who are exceptions to the rule now. And I feel like just Look saying your in the NFL. your okay. ideal shooting guard may not be six three, but he. He can chuck the ball up there, and I, I hate the term chucker because it's got negative connotations. And he does it does do it sometimes, but he will go out there, and he could be a special player. He could just be, you know, another exception to the. Yeah, he's not ideal, but man, does he kill it for us? But one thing though is both of those guys are bigger guys. I mean, I mean, I'm sorry, but both of those guys, and Isaiah and AI, they're point guards, and they had the natural feel of right. a point guard. Where Malik Monk, he's a he's labeled as a shooting guard, and you look at shooting guards these days, he's going to go up against a guy like Demar Derozan who's like six seven. I mean, this guy's lanky as fuck. I mean, you go up against a guy like uh, James Harden, he's six five. He's got the length. The guy that I and, and Bradley Beal too. You think of Bradley Beal as a small shooting guard. Bradley Beal's yep. very similar, at least to James Harden. So I don't see a guy that he can really go up against, at least size wise. And a, a guy like that is Lou Williams. Lou Williams could score like crazy. He's six one, but mm-hmm. Lou Williams is a small player out there, and he's not a starter because of his size. And I think that Malik Monk might fall into that. I'm not saying Malik Monk is going to no, that, struggle. That's probably a but good comparison. Yeah. I, I think I think that's a very dangerous thing when you're looking at a player that he doesn't have that size because Fultz, Ball, six five, look like fluent guys at their current position. And if they, you know, I don't know if they can move the two, but the fact that they have been able to play at such a high level at the one in col- in college, I think that they be- would be able to translate that over into the NBA. So looking let's, at that, let's flip it over to the other Kentucky guard then and talk about Fox because he's again he's got better are you size. High on him? Well, the I'm one higher than I expected to be. One thing I want to mention just on Monk, sure, just to I, kind of close yeah, before you go yeah. to Fox was some guards that are in shooting guards right now that are a little bit undersized. James Harden, 6'5", so a little bit taller than where Monk is, but still and shorter than bigger, you'd like. And bigger. James Harden's a muscle freak. You've got C.J. McCollum, the kid's 18, 19. Just is saying. only an inch taller than Monk, and then D. Wade, who came in at 6'4". So these are guys that are around the same height coming in, and weight and build is a thing that you can fix. It's The heightness, I know you're. it's what you're born with, but you can get stronger and add that strength in the NBA. Who was the second name you threw out there in between D-Wade? C.J. McCollum. C.J. McCollum, okay. But that's a guy that I think that's a a fairly good comparison. He was a guy that did play point guard, though, at Lehigh. Mm -hmm. He was a guy that was a a point guard. He was a guy that moved over because of And D-Wade was a guy in college who the ball was in his hands at Marquette. But that wasn't—he wasn't a point guard. He was just, all right, get the ball to D-Wade. But that was in his hands. Oh, yeah, D-Wade, no. But but I think D Wade's kind of in that 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 same range of a Malik Monk just because I, he's yeah, so damn dynamic. Monk has so a slightly better shot coming out of college mm-hmm. at this point. Um, Wade was more athletic, and that's the thing. It, it, was, it was just the fact that the best player has the ball in their hands, and with a team like Kentucky, they can't necessarily do that all the time because they are always going to reload and have the top talent. Yeah, and and one thing again, I, I want to make sure Monk's still in my top five. I think he's good. Just the the one thing that gives me, <laughs> you know, you know. 
Ball and, and Fultz don't have that big weakness that I see right. like a guy like Malik Monk, but a, a guy that does have weaknesses. And, and since it is such a guard-heavy draft, you obviously brought in, in De'Aaron Fox, and we'll get to him a little bit later. Sure. We, we, we can't have this too long because uh, it's just a brief thing, but you know, it's glad that we, we're giving people a little bit of a, a bait and we'll reel them in for later draft mm-hmm. talk because this isn't going to slow down. Uh, we also have Dennis Smith, too, who, who, who I'm high on, and who can be very, who has that point guard size and, and can be, you know, we really don't have to worry about him staying at a point guard. But the guys that I want to talk about are, are Harry Giles, Jocks Jackson, and then we'll get into, we'll just throw out some names after. But a guy with Harry Giles, he's probably the best forward, at least traditional power forward in this draft, but he hasn't been the getting the playing time since he is coming off ACL injuries that he suffered in high school his senior year. So one thing that he might have a lot of value to a team, and you look at a team like L.A., if they get their top three pick, they're not going to go with you know a guy like Fultz or Ball. Well, they, they might be hesitant to go with a guy like Fultz or Ball. I'm not going to say that if you're going to pass up yeah. a guy like those. But you know, a, a team that needs a big man, they're going to have to look at Giles, and they're also going to have to look at Josh Jackson, who fits that small forward role, but I don't think he fits that, that kind of that role of the new point forward. So looking at Giles and Jackson, which guy gives you more concern? I think it's got to be Harry. I mean, the double injury is just that. That is that's a lot to invest in a player. I know he has you know all the God given talent in the world, and he's got the size, the weight, like wings. Seven three wings fans, ridiculous. But it doesn't matter if you're not going to be on the court. And we haven't seen enough of him yet. Look, we he he's missed out. We on haven't seen anything from him yet. Five minutes. But we saw yeah, so five, we haven't seen five whole minutes out so of him. So we haven't seen anything. He had nothing. He had nothing in those five. No. Um, it, it's all right, it, and it's hard to say. So purely off of what I've seen so far and knowing that the injury concern is there, I'm going to lean towards Josh Jackson. And you already you already listed the concern for that kid. He, he can't shoot. Uh, he, he's purely going to go into the paint and try to draw contact. Uh, he needs to clean up his free throw shooting. But, look, he is going to be uh, – he, he, he's going to be a successful player in the NBA. Mm-hmm. I think he's a little high right now. I'm not as high on him as everyone else is. I don't believe Josh Jackson – is going to be the stud out of this class. And again, I think he's only so high because we're at a lack of options when it comes to, you know, legit power forwards because look, the the top one Harry is in, you know, injury prone now. And after that, it's kind of like, meh, Jason Tatum, you could go Josh Jackson, you could go there's 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 a list of guys who are just eh no, nobody really does it for me right now. Yeah, and at least coming from a forward perspective, I mean, really, Harry Giles is only the true guy who can be a big man. I think he's the only guy in the top 10 that's over 6'11". I think J- Josh Jackson's 6'8", uh, eight, eight, and, yep. and, and uh, Tatum's not even, I think Tatum's around 6'8", too. Tatum's not that big. So looking at this, and I think maybe Jonathan Isaac from FSU is uh, bigger as well, but looking at this, yeah, Jonathan Isaac 6'11", but really, the guy that I have more concern over is is Josh Jackson because mm-hmm. I, I'd I, say so too. I, you, you look at right. Giles and and I, I know that he you have the well, injury problems with here. Giles when he comes back. Like and of course the biggest question mark will always be health, but he's going to be the best player out there when he's healthy. It's going to be boom. Well, that's the best big man in this draft. We'll have to see. I mean, he's he's going to have to not only deal with you know Grayson Allen, who's obviously having his own troubles, but when he comes I back, I want to get to him before we. we, end we this. Yeah, we yeah. you'll be able to throw out names after. But when we were done with this conversation, yeah, but with I know. Duke, we have we have you have Kennard, who's obviously playing lights out. You mm-hmm. have Grayson Allen, who's a guy who expects to have the ball in his hands. Tatum's obviously a guy who, who's mm-hmm. consistently scoring. Those are three guys there that have been there this season. It's going to be weird to see how Giles kind of pushes himself into this, this role here at Duke. And I think that if Josh Jackson just shows a spark of what he was kind of promised as as a long, lanky, athletic power forward. I think that's going to increase his value. Whether the injury problems are there, whether whether he plays a ton of minutes, just because you are so thin, at least when you when you look at that forward position, I think that's the reason why. And then with Jackson, yes, he's super athletic. Yes, you know he he's he's so quick and he can get to the lane. He doesn't have that fear of going to the lane. But it's my same ones with Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown's kind of been exercising those problems I've had with him so far because he's been able to get to the hoop. He's been able to, you know, kind of use his size and use his lankiness to get to the hoop. And his, his three-point shot has been terrible in the NBA. So they're, they're smart in limiting his minutes. I like the way they're going with his development. But that's one thing with Josh Jackson. You're going to have to slow his development. With Giles, you might have to slow his development of injuries. But as long as he's, if he's able to come out and play 20 minutes for Duke and not have any of those injury problems, then... I, I think those kind of go by the wayside with how much need there is for a, a big man in this draft. So Process. That, that's, <coughs> Process. That's just my thoughts there. Well, and mine, too, is with Josh Jackson. It's more so about the team he plays on. Kansas, to me, is not the same Kansas that we 
saw when it was them going up against Anthony Davis in the championship game. This is a Kansas team that usually it's like, okay, we get through non-conference play, we'll win the Big 12, but then when you get to tournament time, it's whatever can go wrong will go wrong. And one of these things is he might be the best player there. I mean, Mason the third is outscoring him right now currently, but it's one of those things where it's like, Let's see what happens when Giles is healthy and then compare the two at the end. And, and one thing, too, obviously Kansas is dealing with Carlton Bragg, uh, Bragg's situation. Oh, he also... is so much potential that we had for him coming into the season. And, and you're also dealing with Aduko. I'm going to mess up his name, but Aduko's, I think just Bill Self, Bill Self called him you yeah. uh, on the on post game against <laughs> UNLV. They're dealing with him being out for the the season now. Mm-hmm. So obviously Kansas is having some struggles, but I think Josh Jackson more of a player. It's just more of can he shoot in the NBA because that is coming at such a premium. And if you're a small forward that can't shoot, I mean obviously you know guys like LeBron James, guys like Michael Jordan mm-hmm. didn't have to deal with that. I know Michael Jordan was a small well, Michael was a shooting Jordan guard, was a different was, era too. But yeah, but still, yeah. I mean Michael Jordan couldn't shoot to save his life when coming in the yeah. NBA. Same with LeBron, but. One thing about Josh Jackson, he's not LeBron or Michael Jordan. Yeah, so he's not a generational that's, that's athlete. That's one thing that I, that, that's going to give me trouble. We're hitting an hour mark, so just mm-hmm. real quick, guys. Throw out names that we haven't got to that aren't in the top ten that you that intrigue you as a player. Quinn Snyder, and mainly like he's getting on the <laughs> he's getting on the map for me because of that game he played against Kentucky. This is a guy who early on was. A bit inconsistent, but then later on, I mean, 15-13, yay, played Texas Southern and Eastern Kentucky. I hope you can score some points. But then going up against Kentucky, getting a three-point win, 37 minutes, shooting 52% from the field, getting 22 points. I am curious to see how he plays and Louisville does in the ACC conference schedule. I'm tossing out Luke Kennard. I think that early on he he's lit it up, and... He's the biggest thing he's done to make himself self valuable is improve his three point shooting out of mm-hmm. Duke. I think he's going to be a fantastic pickup. He'll be later in the draft unless he does something. I mean, look, you're already on Duke, so you're going to get that media coverage. I just feel like he's outshined by a couple guys in this draft, but I feel like he's going to go in the 15 to 25 range and be very valuable for one of these teams. And, and my, my guy is kind of in, in that same place of Luke Kennard where he's outshined by younger guys. And we consistently see this in the draft that guys who do have experience are going to fall just because of their age. You know, really the only outsider of that has been Buddy Heald because of his crazy performance. Mm-hmm. And a guy that will, you know, kind of... You know, be that you know, buddy perform, buddy's performance so far that might worry a little NBA, uh, some NBA teams. But the guy that I am really interested in is a senior out of Villanova, Josh Hart, who Ooh. is ridiculous. I, I think Josh, Josh one Hart of the main is, reasons why they won last year. Well, the thing with Josh Hart is this guy is just great all around. I don't have any problems with him, and he's very similar to me, at least. But he's not to, a top pick to, to Malcolm Brogdon. But that's the thing is a guy like Malcolm Brogdon. Look at the you know performance he's having so far already on Milwaukee. He's one of the he's best a, performing rookies in the league. He is a guy that he comes in because and, and he succeeds because he's not low banking on athleticism. He's just banking on talent. And Josh Hart isn't a guy that's going to blow you out of his water with a specific skill, but he's just a great overall player. I'm sorry, I, I don't know who Malcolm Brogdon. You didn't use his proper name, so the I president. Got it. Thank you, Malcolm Brogdon. <laughs> uh, you're obnoxious. But the man who just posterizes if LeBron. He has, if he has a nickname, especially after posterizing LeBron, let's and put some Kyrie. respect on that name. Yeah. And Kyrie, but yeah. really, a, a guy like Josh Hart, I think it will be a total sleeper in this mm-hmm. draft. I think he will go late, and honestly, the Spurs will probably pick him up, and then you'll have another superstar. Because the thing with with with, with Josh Hart is the fact that he is just so overall good and you know it's a guy that he's not going to impress you with flashy dunks but he's just going to be a guy that can get work done Mm -hmm. and in the nba if you're going late and you're able to bring that to a team like say cleveland san antonio god forbid the warriors josh hart's going to be a a stud and and i think that's just one thing that that i wanted to throw out there and and obviously there's other guys that we didn't talk about but if you are wanting a little more of that talk we'll be bringing more draft talk to you well one guy i wanted to kind of close out with and this is more of a tease for what Brandon and I are going to do on the primetime podcast this week. I want to get your guys' snaps on this because they're going to get enough of mine on the primetime podcast. What do you guys think of Grayson Allen right now and what it plays for him into his draft stock? Because like I said, you guys are going to hear enough of me on Monday after Christmas talk about this. I can't wait to hear you and Brandon on this, by the way, just before I get into it. Um, uh, Nothing's changed for me about Grayson Allen. 
He is an extremely passionate kid who has problems with getting too emotional in the game. Um, obviously, he flared out and you know was extremely upset at the call. I think he was more upset at himself than the call. Like he's done this ticky tack bullshit uh, throughout his whole college career. He, I mean, the the head bobs, all of this shit, trying to trip people. Like he's a I'll do anything to win a game guy, and we've seen that be extremely valuable in the NBA. But it's not someone you're going to go up and drop a high draft pick on. But he's still a guy who's been around in college for a couple of years. He went back, he saw his draft stock, and was like, you know what? I'm going to go back one more year. It probably doesn't help him because of all this national media coverage on his play. But he's still going to be an average player in college, uh, and you know, in the pros. No, no, I'm saying he's an average player in college. Oh. Like, well, okay, he's above average in college, but he'll be, you know, slightly average for a bench player in the pros, and he'll give you good minutes. He's like, he reminds me a little bit, you know, the dirtiness that you need out of like a Dunleavy here, Delvadova. Like, he gives you that little bit because he'll do something that kind of makes you go, "I hate that fucking piece of shit." But if he's on my team, like, great play. Well, that's Good the play. thing. You got in their heads. Last year, we consistently compared him to JJ Redick uh, because people that, that's hated him. That's a dream. Him. People hated him, but the, the reason why people compared him was just because he was a white kid from Duke. Yep. And JJ Redick didn't have the problems that Grayson Allen's currently having. No. My thoughts was uh, last year, I think I consistently had him slotted in at number twenty-five overall to the Los Angeles Clippers. Yeah. Because they needed uh, they needed shooting help, and and the one thing with that was. I think I did with the Clippers. It was some team that needed needed help there. Maybe no, they he, they had Bembry. I'm blanking here, but he was usually <laughs> in the, in the later 20s. Yep. And I, I think one the, the kind of headline you could say that is is Grayson Allen is pretty much the poster for white privilege. He, he's a Ooh. kid that's going to whine when he does something wrong because he didn't get the right call for himself. But even though he's not going to take responsibility mm-hmm. for his actions, and you know, Coach K's, oh, it's okay, my son's fine. It's the kid that's going to go to Toys R Us. You brought this up early. He's going <laughs> to knock shit off the shelves, and oh, then he's going to be like, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. And his mom's like, oh, that's my kid. Don't hurt his kid. He didn't do anything wrong. He's a saint. Just to throw it out, I listened to me and Brandon talk about, is Grayson Allen dirty player last year when he tripped guys? Yep. I compared him to Christian Leitner. That's who I compared him to. But Leitner stomped somebody. He's Le- the Leitner Leitner's, of this But of he was also tough. So. Leitner was tough. Leitner, Leitner stopped on someone, and Leitner had a swagger to himself. Like my, I think Grayson, Grayson Allen has a kind of pettiness to himself. Yeah. He's but, a mean girl. Like, my thought was, <laughs> wait, that. wait a few years when we see the I hate Grayson Allen 30 for 30. No, but he won't do that because no, he won't have the same unless they win. Unless they win, and it's he on his back. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean, Christian Leitner earned it because he was, like, a top overall pick he he absolutely killed it in college and uh, grayson allen isn't that guy he's not a top pick he's not gonna go out there and be on the dream team and that was one thing too <laughs> he, he could he could be the last one because jordan hates someone that was that was one thing too with with, with this is you know he was slated for an Smith player of the year i mean mm-hmm. he was like the, the front runner coming into this and you know this isn't actions of someone who, who should be winning an you shouldn't award, award I mean, this, him for anything you yeah. need to be a leader out there and and yes leitner was a kind of well, he's a scumbag in, in college but yep. but one thing he, he had a swagger to himself he had a thing where he wasn't going to get pushed around you know people saw him as a a pretty boy, but people didn't. He didn't care. He he had to swear yeah. to himself. I look at Grayson Allen. I see a whiny white kid who got his way all throughout his life, and he wants it again. He wants it there, and, and that's what I said. But I'll, I'll see what you and Brandon have to say on the podcast. It's like the podcast. tweet I retweeted that someone took the reaction of him throwing the temper tantrum and said, "Man, when your mom gets you the wrong color of Mercedes for your sweet sixteen, exactly." And that's that's what I see here is is a, a, just a kid who isn't getting his way, and I just I don't think it's going to really affect his draft stock. But I just it's I, nothing new. I, that's I think, the thing. I think he's going to be a second rounder just because of the youth that's coming. Coming in and, and players like Josh Hart that you don't have this problem with, and he's a leader and he's a winner. I think that's going to be the reason why Grayson Allen falls out from where he possibly could have been first rounder. Now he's going to be a second rounder. Uh, but anyways, that's going to wrap up this episode of the Fast Break Podcast. Do not forget to tune into the Primetime Podcast where Ricky and Brandon will be going in depth about Grayson Allen. But we talk draft, we talk Lakers, we talk Kings. Dave, thank you so much for joining us. Ricky, thank you so much for joining us. And of course, we got to thank our listeners, the people who make this happen. Thank you for downloading on Blog Talk Radio if you did it through that way. Thank you if you're listening on YouTube. We always love and respect that you guys do that. Don't forget to share this stuff if you like it. Don't forget to come back if you liked it even more. And also, got to throw out uh, a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to all of you guys. Uh, even if you call us dumbasses in the comments, we still appreciate you that you're taking the time to do that for us. But for Ricky Whitmer and Dave Oster, I'm Sean Anderson. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.